0: The bass is in. that means we're ready, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune into DLC. Hey, are you one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run? We're there with you. We're going to be by your side for 90 minutes of gaming goodness. DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way it's meant to be, and that's completely free, thanks to our sponsors, Simple and Linda. Oh, Linda! They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC is a show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who thinks he can last 38 seconds with Ronda Rousey, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
1: Hello, Jeff, thanks for doing the show Tuesday. Good times were had by all, and uh, I don't think anyone can last more than thirty. Holy moly, that woman is a monster.
0: Yeah, she's uh she's the the Mike Tyson of our times, you know. And i I wonder if there's ever going to be a Buster Douglas for her. Or if she's just gonna just gonna transition right into being a movie star and a WWE star, and just not ever ever have any competition that can stand toe to toe with her. But man, yeah, exciting stuff, crazy. right? It's crazy. Uh, We are not a UFC podcast. No, we're a gaming podcast. And often people ask me, what does DLC stand for? Oh, man. I always have to tell them it's Downloadable Kanata. You're Downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, my gosh, I'm excited because DLC stands for Daventry's Leader of Community. Because we have the community manager for the odd gentleman. I was just released King's Quest this last week. And our buddy from the Weekend Confirmed Days, it's Nicole Z, Nicole Zivilich. Welcome, Nicole.
2: Hey, that was a really good DLC right there. I, that was Thanks. good. I didn't even think of that. Thank yeah.
0: you. You know, I spend uh, oh, way too much time on those, but I'm very pleased with them. And off. We're so,
2: off big time. You know,
0: you have been one of our most requested guests, Nicole, and it's been way too long. We've been wanting to make this happen for a while. We're so glad you're here.
2: Yeah, I'm really glad to be here.
0: Um, we have a lot to talk about, including your game and, um, you know, lots of, lots of fun things that have happened this week. Of course, this coming week is going to be Gamescom, so there's going to be a ton of news in next week's episode, but, um, but uh, there's, there's still some really interesting news. So let's start the show the way we normally do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of- Story of the week, of course, the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by using our hashtag, that's DLC SOTW, or visiting our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Nicole, as our guest, you get first pick of stories. So what would you consider your story of the week this week?
2: Oh, man, we're just getting right to it. Um I don't know. Um I'm really interested in talking about kind of the Gears of War stuff. Okay,
0: yeah, uh, really cool news this week that uh, the Gears of War Ultimate Edition, which is dropping very soon, uh, I think in the next twenty fifth. I want to
2: say Uh, August twenty fifth. Yep, that's right.
0: And go ahead.
2: Which one? It's the twenty fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. You were gonna say? Okay, I was gonna say I just. Is this like a confirmed thing? Because I'm reading that like the rumors are indicating that when you buy the bundle or the extreme edition bundle, you'll immediately get access to the four other Gears games. But at the same time, if you own those games already, backwards compatibility will be kind of awakened on that date anyway. So I'm wondering if like, is, is this really a, co- is this a cool thing? Or I mean, I imagine those who are buying Gears of One again probably already have the other Gears games. Well,
0: maybe not. I mean, I I think it is a cool thing. It's that it has been confirmed that uh, the Gears of War Ultimate Edition, Ultimate Edition, which is the complete remake of the first Gears of War game, complete remastering. They went back and did tons of work to update the graphics and and really redo all the cutscenes. It's it's pretty incredible amount of work that they put into it. Uh, but it's also going to come, because of the new announced Xbox One backwards compatibility, it's going to come with full access to all of the Gears of War games, including Gears of War Judgment, so the first one, the second one, the third one, and Judgment, uh, even if you didn't own them. So yeah, it's backwards compatible if you already owned them, but if you missed out on any one of those or multiples of them, just buying Ultimate Edition unlocks them uh, for, for backwards compatibility on your Xbox One, that is... If it's only a limited time offer, if you uh, play ultimate edition between August 25th and December 31st of this year. So if you wait and buy that after the first of the year in 2016, uh, that offer does not stand. But um, as of right now, yeah, that's I think that's a pretty cool deal. If if you're going to be able to play all those games on your Xbox one, plus the remastered version. Um, Are you excited to revisit the Gears of War universe, Nicole?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I already... I have a system in place where I pre-ordered rare replay for the Microsoft store to get a $10 discount on my next purchase, which as of tomorrow, will, I will buy gears of World ultimate edition and then I will get another $10 off for the Microsoft store. So I have a system where I'm gaming the system, <laughs> but like, I'm also like helping the economy. So like everybody's winning.
0: Yeah. That's uh that's like these interlocking gears are in place and you don't need to do is turn one and the other one turns.
2: Oh, it's brilliant. I love Gears though, and I'm super excited for it. And um, I'm, I'm carry I'm excited that Gears One is going to look like it should on an Xbox One because they're redoing it. But I'm wondering what the rest of the Gears games are going to look like because they're not going to. It's going to be backwards compatible and it's going to run. But I don't think it's going to be on the same level as you know the the new Gears of War One will be
0: yeah but it'll be interesting to if you do the backwards compatibility you'll have the one-to-one comparison right there on your xbox one you'll be able to see how uh you know how impressive or unimpressive that upgrade is but you know those games were always very nice looking games anyway so i don't right think... if
2: you like the color brown that is the game for you
0: <laughs> yes and i do so gray. worked out <laughs> <laughs> hey christian what about you man are you excited for uh revisiting gears of war or or you think this is uh, just a stopgap until we get the actual gears 4 action
1: I mean, it's definitely a stopgap. There's no thinking about it. I mean, that's that's what it is. That doesn't mean it's not uh, well made. And fans of the series shouldn't be excited about it. For me, it, it is not going to be a purchase. But the inclusion of, you know, it's it's really smart play. Microsoft using that back compat um, that they announced at E3 in a way that makes a package that otherwise people were maybe balking at a little bit of the price versus the Master Chief Collection having all these games and this is only having the one. And it's a really smart way to include more value at a very minimum cost for them um, to make this package seem more enticing. And that's great. Why, why wouldn't you want that to be included in there? I I hope the game is great. I have no desire to go back and play uh, a remastered gears one, but people that are excited about it, that's great. It's awesome. Why, you know, how is this a bad thing in any way, shape or form?
0: I think this is going to be the first of, I mean, we were already seeing this right with, with some other announced releases, but I think this is really going to be the first of an example of how Microsoft is going to be using backwards compatibility, not only as a sort of a bullet point feature for their system, but as bullet point features for releases of new games. And I think it's really going to be a marketing tool for throwing stuff in on the pile. Like, Hey, if you buy, there's going to be a multi, you know, obviously this is an exclusive game to the Xbox brand, but I think there's going to be these multi franchise, multi-platform releases that, um, Microsoft can say, hey, on our system, if you buy the new whatever, you'll get backwards compatibility just thrown in for some old games that uh, that you get for free. Uh, and I think I think they might use that. I think this is the first example of them using that as a way to differentiate their system from the competitors uh, in a multi-platform releases. So I think that's actually a cool thing too.
2: Do you think we'll see other franchises do that with their upcoming releases?
0: Yeah, I do. I think this is going to be. I think you're going to see Microsoft encouraging um, third parties to do this more and more. And I think 2016, end of 2015, 2016 is going to be like, hey, buy the new, you know, Battlefield, buy the new Call of Duty, buy the new whatever it is, and you get on the Microsoft platform. You get two or three or one or whatever old games as well. You know, Fallout is going to be like that. We've already heard the announcement at E3 that Fallout is going to do that. So I, I really think it's going to be a tidal wave of games because. I think Microsoft is going to make it uh, advantageous for third parties to do it. And I think third parties are going to see the fact that they're really not losing anything by juicing sales of the new new version by, you know, how many people are, are going to you know buy those old games at this point new from them. I think it's a way for them to – it's just all
2: upside. Yeah, so. no, that's, I think that's a good point. I mean you're deterring people from selling their games. You're deterring people from pirating games, and you're just rewarding gamers. No, I like it. Uh, that's a good spin. I like it. I approve.
1: All right. <laughs> well, PlayStation, I mean, they kind of have it with PlayStation Now. I know they announced something like that for uh, Gears of War 3 Remaster. So it's it's this interesting digital space, right, where both sides are jockeying for the more compelling argument of this. I think right now Microsoft's is a little better because you kind of own the game, whereas PlayStation Now, uh, you know, it's a rental for however long or a permanent rental. It's a little different. But, um, I mean, it's definitely a space where people are going to be exploring to add value to these games because um, that's what people kind of expect now. And that's a great thing. Competition, right? We're winning. We're winning.
2: Yay. Here's a side question. How easy is it to, like, upgrade your Xbox One's hard drive? Like, do I have to buy a new console? No. Like, transfer everything?
1: You plug in an external and it's instant. It's easy.
2: Really? Okay, good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's really easy with just USB. Boom yep um so christian what is your uh, what's your story of the week pick
1: um well i haven't been listening to what you guys are talking about but i want to talk about <laughs> this Gears of war stuff it seems, <laughs> uh, it seems good
2: man guns <laughs> and chainsaws tell me more <laughs>
1: <laughs> well actually nicole it's interesting you bring that up because what's fascinating about this series is not an and because it's a gunshot um i don't know if you've seen this before but it's imagine a sword that's also a gun this is a gun that's also a I just created a gun sword. This is incredible. Um, guys um, (laughs) for me, and I love things like this and I actually took the time to watch this. Um, but I don't always, (laughs) but GTA, the PC modding community has always been incredible. I think it's up there for me personally with what people do in Skyrim in terms of just like, holy crap, I could never do this, but I'm so glad it's being done. And the newest one that I was watching is the GTA five mod that lets you be Iron Man. And, uh, this guy before has done um, Hulk and Spider-Man in and GTA 4. And so it's not a, a new thing, certainly, to put superheroes in these games. But this is, one, GTA 5 on PC looks beautiful. And then this Iron Man mod is pretty dang complete with, uh, you know, blasters out of his hands, the chest cannon flying, tearing apart cars, going after airplanes, hovering. Mild
2: alcoholism, you know, really <laughs> accurate.
1: Well, that was already in GTA 5. <laughs> they didn't need to to put that in. but. Uh, Jeff, did you watch this? Were you you blown away by this thing like I was?
0: Oh, yeah, man. This this guy, Julio NIB, is the modder who you are talking about who put this in. And uh, it's really impressive. I mean, you think – iron man in gta you think oh somebody just made a skin for you know the characters in gta he really went above and beyond as you said you have super strength so just punching a car knocks it you know across the city you can fly you've got repulsor rays in your hands it is really cool it looks like there's even a a different ui so to tell you when your repulsor rays are charged and everything it is super slick but the funniest thing about it is that uh, because it's in GTA, and in GTA, the you know he, he's just he's just changed the the character's behavior, but he hasn't changed the entire world. And in GTA, <laughs> when you when you wreck havoc, people get freaked out. So it's like superhero Iron Man starts blowing stuff up, and people are like, "Oh God, what's he doing? Why is he doing that?" It's very funny because people react in the way that you know what you kind of feel like you would if you saw a superhero destroying things. Yeah, he goes it. he
1: goes full on rogue. And I, I don't know. I always uh, I'm blown away by stuff like this, especially the things that are more than just like we've upped the graphics, not discounting that that's hard to do, like texture packs and HD packs. But um, you can tell it's kind of shoehorned in like the repulsor beam. You know, it doesn't look as smooth as it would, per se, if Marvel were making this game, um, but it's still pretty. Pretty pretty dang cool. If you haven't checked it out, uh where it was over at Polygon, they had a link to the video and like you said, Julio and IB. Look at some of his other work this guy's done. It's uh what a I mean just a passion project, right? It's it's freaking Yeah, yeah
2: like how does someone like this get compensated? Like I know Val had that thing where you got you could mod Skyrim and pay for mods, and that lasted, like, seven minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that seemed like a really interesting idea because so much work goes into this. And think about how much better it could be if he had, like, resources and it was being compensated for it. Like, so if someone this talented and puts this much effort into it, do they get anything in return?
0: They're doing it for the love, Nicole, the love.
2: Love's great, but, like, you know, so is lunch and, like, dinner. Like, there's no not <laughs> I'm my sure- top. Top three favorite
0: meals, at least in there. <laughs> I'm sure that um, you know these. A lot of these guys are gearing for, um, are aiming for jobs in the industry, and they can use this as 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 uh, portfolio material, which is always helpful. But uh, you know, mods by their very nature have always sort of been, um, you know, they've been rogue. They've been they've been things that you, people just put out for free, and you download. So, you know, there's talk of people monetizing things, and certainly things like Gary's mod turned into a retail product that ultimately uh, earned Gary quite a lot of money. So, you know, (laughs) but, but I think this one in particular is just a free download.
1: I also think it's just something that's fun to do where, you know, it's kind of like if you have a hobby and you're able to build a model airplane and then give that joy to thousands or millions of people, wouldn't that be awesome? And, you know, there's something about the the act of doing and creating and, and putting this thing out there and then seeing everybody play your mod, at least for me, Yeah, money and lunch and dinner and breakfast and fourth meal and all those things are great. But uh, if you can't receive those things, sometimes it's nice to put your your creation out and see people having
2: fun with it. That's true. Very true.
0: Yeah, I I really love this story. And if you haven't seen the video, you should definitely check it out. Um, Boy, you guys are leaving me a lot of really juicy stories here to choose from uh, for my story of the week. You know, we talked about it a lot last week, but I got to say, I think my story of the week is how – how well Summer D- Games Done Quick did, uh raising $1.2 million for Doctors Without Borders, which is a, a new record. Last year, they raised, they, they raised $700,000 more than last year in the same period. Uh, not quite as much as Awesome D- Games Done Quick last January, but still, this just, that's just a staggering amount of money for charity, Uh and boy, was it an awesome event. Like I said, we talked about it last week, but I wanted to... Bring up a few more amazing moments from the week because we were just talking about it at the beginning of the week last week, and there were some incredible things. I don't know how much you guys watched, but I wanted to uh, highlight a few of my favorite things that I saw at uh, Summer Games Done Quick. One of which was uh, this incredible Bioshock Infinite uh, playthrough where these guys have figured out that. You can use, they call it death warping. You can use the game's uh, resurrection feature where, you know, you die and uh, you get resurrected sort of right, right near where you died. They use that as a way to traverse through the world. So they found out that if you hold the rocket launcher and leap forward at a door or at a gate and shoot yourself at, at, in your feet as you're leaping forward, the game will think you ended up through the gate and resurrect you on the other side. So you never have to actually get a key for the gate. You just teleport through by killing yourself. (laughs) And there's another, uh, there's a power up that you can get early in the game that lets you move 50% quicker if you are uh, at, you know, close to death. So these guys get that power up and then they shoot themselves in the feet with a rocket launcher constantly through the game. So they're always playing the game very close to death just to be able to move fast it's incredible, and you know, this is a game where enemies are trying to kill you and shoot you, and so they've added this level of risk in the sense that they could die any time because they're constantly keeping their health really, really low. It's just amazing. Um, I of course, the there was
1: the same way, but it was just unintentional. <laughs> I was just like, oh, right. and right. Little did you know
2: right. you were a genius. Right. Uh, <laughs> modern,
1: uh, did you guys always fascinate me? Go ahead, sorry.
0: I'm sorry. No, I didn't mean to interrupt you. The, 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 you're right. The modern games done quick are even more impressive than the uh, the old games. I was going to talk about an old game because did anybody hear about this um, Legend of Zelda original Legend of Zelda done without a sword?
2: Yeah,
1: insane,
0: insane. Uh, It's it's like it's like an elegant dance when you watch these guys (laughs) because uh, basically you have to make sure that Link uh, kills ten things in a row to keep getting bombs over and over because you you get the you know the tenth enemy that you kill without getting hit will drop a bomb and bombs are the most powerful offense in the game. And if you don't pick up the sword at the beginning of the game, it's really your only offense. And so these guys constantly have to refill their bombs and just avoid enemies because they can't smack them with the sword. Oh my gosh. It's, it's incredible. And, um, there's, there's so many of them that I, that I wanted to talk about dark souls Two. If you haven't seen someone quick, Quick run, speed run a Dark Souls game. You You haven't. haven't It's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. It like the the tricks these guys have come up with to beat the bosses and to you know it's all about sort of minimizing the amount of time you spend in menus. It's minimizing the amount of time you spend buying things so you like only buy the essential items to beat the the bosses in the quickest possible way. I was absolutely blown away by watching the uh, the Dark Souls 2 quick run, speed run. Um, but there's one that I thought, Christian, you would really like. Did you play Dust Force at all when it came out?
1: No, I uh, just at conventions. I never like owned it, but I'm aware of it. It's a retro kind of platform where you got a broom.
0: Yeah, you got a broom, you're sweeping stuff, and it's all about fast movement and maintaining your momentum. It really feels like a game you would dig because you love Ollie Ollie and, and those mm-hmm. kind of games. Um, watching the guys speedrun Dust Force is like, it, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It, and, and watching those, those 2D platformers where you maintain speed and seeing these guys just zip around the maps and then switch characters because there was one character who can get this to this like a few seconds faster. Ugh. Unreal,
2: unreal. So, do you Wanna... think?
0: Go ahead, Nicole.
2: I was just saying, like, how how often do they train before events like this? Because like they go Constantly. into this knowing, like, is this like their day job now? Like, because I know that their goal is to make as much money as possible for these charities twice a year, and that's amazing. But like, you have to be so on point when it's your time to stream that, like, they must have everything so perfectly memorized.
0: Yeah, these guys play the game thousands and thousands of times um it's um did you watch any of it nicole
2: yeah i like to watch like the really obscure old games that like i would never play now but like wish i had played when i was nine and had the capacity for it like the little mermaid game or like star wars on the Ness. like just games that i would never have the ability to go back to and then i can watch it all be completed in like five minutes so it's perfect for my attention span
0: It's amazing those those games that somebody has devoted Like you understand the guy who's devoting his life to Bioshock Infinite or Dark Souls. You know, it's like, you know, those are kind of marquee games, but
1: understand that guy? Well, in a sense (laughs) devoting his life.
0: (laughs) In in comparison to the guy who's like devoting his life to some obscure, weird, difficult, dumb game that's really not even very well made, and he's gonna decide to play that game thousands of times
2: to get the world record.
1: I think most of these guys are incredible at so many of these games. Yeah, they might have a main but right. I mean, most of these people, what this is, again, this is their hobby, their passion. Um, and to some, you know, they probably do make money off of this from streaming at other times too, or just putting up tips and tricks. And I think there's just, you get into this cool culture and some people know what type of, you know, muffler is best on a 03 Camaro. Did they make Camaros in 03? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that might've been part of the dead, the dead period. Um, but these people know all of this stuff. So you dive into that scene and, and you explore it and you know it. I don't think the guy who plays star Wars on Ness, like you give him uh Pac-Man and he just like, I don't understand this game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, he's just completely incompetent on any other game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Jamos 5 in our chat room says it's usually about 3000 hours per game. It's just, oh my it's just a level of commitment that is staggering and, and intense and, and awe inspiring to me. I mean, uh, speaking of though, of, of being on your game, I don't know if you guys saw this thing about the Prince of Persia Sands of Time playthrough that the guy was doing. He was going for the world record in the, in, in the speed run for Prince of Persia and everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, it, the, the game crashed two or three times while he was playing it. It, he's They found this glitch where you can like force the game to let you to skip stuff, But once that starts happening, sometimes the game will crash or glitch out. And at one point, his character was just a floating face, like it didn't load the rest of his character model. So he had to play as just a floating face. And there was a moment 45 minutes into his run, and he was supposed to be able to do it in 90 minutes or less or something like that, uh, where he died uh, or the game, no, the game crashed and he hadn't saved. And so he had to start over. It's just like everything that could go wrong went wrong. And he, this dude who was playing, kept like the best attitude through the whole thing and just kept entertaining the people on the stream, having a great old time. And for me, that was such a lesson in, first of all, what these guys do. The fact that these guys play these games so many times and so repetitively and, and have such a commitment to it, like
2: he doesn't, he's, he's.
0: He's completely removed that part of himself that I have and I don't like about myself that it, that just gets frustrated by that stuff. You know, like he's just he's just content for the repetition, you know, just let it happen. And uh, and there was such a Zen serenity to that that I, I really couldn't help but admire.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, that could easily turn and be, you know, anger and, like, frustration and, like, really embarrassing, like, emotions on camera. And, like, yeah, that's awesome that he was able to, I guess, I don't know if it's even seeing the bigger picture of, hey, we're raising money for charity, but he was, like, really cool about it. And, I don't know, I lose my cool constantly when I play games, so good for him.
1: His cat, yeah. however, at home did not feel so... uh I'm just kidding. <laughs> like the guy like walks off camera and just trashes everything. <laughs> this is the world, And then gets back on camera and is like, hey guys, we're back. <laughs> like clearly his knuckles are now bloody or whatever, but like regains composure.
0: <laughs> I just feel like these, these uh, games done quick marathons are everything that's right about gaming. I mean, there's so often we talk on this show and other places on Twitter or wherever about what's wrong with gaming or how the hobby needs to grow or you know, the, some sort of negative attitudes and all that stuff. This is what's right. It's so right. It's, it's people using their skills to help the world to do something positive. It's highlighting what makes games so exciting and interesting. It's a level of skill that is absolutely incredible and, and requires such dedication. It's just a beautiful event. And I, I really think it has to be my story of the week on so many levels because of that. Um, we have more stories. Let me first, uh, thank our first sponsor and that's simple simple simple.com. Oh man. I've been so excited that simple has, uh, sponsored our show because I've been wanting to tell people about this. Banking can be such a nightmare, such a headache and simple makes it simple by transforming it to online banking and eliminating all of the things that make banking such a headache. Uh, I was just talking about this over the weekend with uh, Anthony Carboni, who I do. We can uh, we have concerns with and he uses simple and uh, I'm I'm ready to switch over myself because simple.com allows you to manage your money in a smart way, but also doesn't nickel and dime you on fees like some other banks do. The coolest thing about simple is first of all, no fees, no overdraft fees, no monthly account maintenance fees, no ATM fees, no minimum balance requirements. You're not going to get all those annoying fees that keep ruining my uh, chance to save. And if I do want to save for something in particular, simple makes it easy because they allow you to create a, um, a a budget for yourself and find out exactly they have this app that lets you budget out exactly what you're going to spend over a month if you have all of the the um, utilities and monthly um, payments that you know you have to make you put those all in the app and it shows you It calculates everything out and shows you what's safe to spend every month. So you know what you have to have going out. And then you also know what's safe to spend. So you don't ever have to get yourself into bad situations. Even better than that, if you know you want to save up to buy something like a video game, for example, if, you know, the the big winter releases are coming up and you want to buy a video game, you put in the fact, uh, you put in the release date of the game when you want to buy it and you put in the price of the game and it'll tell you how much you need to save every day. So you can at, at release day, buy that game. So let's say you're at the coffee shop and you're like, ah, should I also get a scone? Well, no, if I save that, you know, 48 cents, that dollar whatever it is today, it's going to go into that bucket on simple and it'll wait for me to spend it on the thing I really want to save for. It's really, really cool. This is an amazing way to save your money, to manage your money. It's online banking and it's simple.com. There's 55,000 f- uh, fee-free ATMs across the country. That alone makes me want to change. So it, all you got to do is go to simple.com slash DLC, sign up now, find out all the really cool ways and just be smart about your money. It'll let you play more video games. If you can buy more video games, if you can save, if you can be smart about what you're what you're saving and what you're spending that's going to let you play more video games. So go to simple.com slash DLC, sign up now that lets them know that you heard about it on our show. And that really helps us too. simple.com slash DLC. I'm
2: checking uh, it out right now.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like it really I'm like, is.
2: Oh, that's a really good. Huh.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, you should let me know how, what you think because um, it's really cool that they're sponsoring the show. I, I genuinely think this is an amazing service that our listeners can really use. So Windows 10 came out this week. Uh, I think I'm the only one of the three of us that installed it. And um, I was I was very excited about this. I had heard really good things uh, from the people that had been pl- using the beta. Um, I was very, very excited. I haven't been excited for a new OS release in quite a while. And uh, I had my little pre-order icon in the bottom right of my screen all set and ready. And on on the day, I, I was the 28th or 29th, or whatever it was, the 29th. I logged on, I was ready to install it. And of course it was like, nope, just, just wait, bro. Just wait, keep waiting. We're going to be rolling this th- thing out in stages. Uh, and I was like, what, why did I reserve it then? That's as dumb. So I went and, uh, downloaded my, it myself because you can just manually download it and installed it. I really like it. Uh, I really like it so far. The gaming, um, features are really cool and evidently they've got 14 million devices that now run it, uh, worldwide. Pretty interesting. Uh, one little side note, though, Solitaire, which has been a mainstay of Windows for years now, decades, uh, is n- is no longer free. It's got ads, and if you want those ads to go away, you got to pay ten bucks. Uh, yeah, that,
2: this seems to be what everyone is focusing on. Which I mean, I I imagine Windows 10 came with a bunch of really rad new features. I'm a Mac person, sorry. Um, so I don't know, but the only thing people are talking about, like not even online, but like real life people <laughs> to each other are talking about solitaire. They don't think solitaire yeah. has been this talked about since like, like 20 years. Yeah.
0: It's very strange. It's very strange that they would, it seems like a,
2: and it's still free. It's still free. Like, I mean, you can still play it.
0: Yeah, I guess you can. Uh, You know, I I think this is like targeting a segment of people that play Solitaire that don't normally have to pay for video games uh, because they only play Solitaire. I don't know of anybody that plays Solitaire and and plays other games. I feel like it's, you know, the only game that, um, you know, people's moms play or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, I
2: feel like they're targeting moms because moms are the ones who still send me Candy Crush invites. Moms are the ones (laughs) who like, in my my family, ones who are like, will pay to like have more to have less time so they can play faster like two that's who this is for for mom yeah
0: it's a mom tax and i'm not down with that i'm not down with the mom oh, when tax, you call it said. a mom
2: tax i don't like it either <laughs>
0: um i don't know i i i just wanted to bring that up because i think it's hilarious um and and it's i think it's a bonehead move from a pr perspective because like you said nicole it's the only thing anybody's talking about but Uh, Overall, Windows 10 has been great, except for this morning when I tried to uh, start this show the way I normally do, and uh, I found out that the Rode Podcaster mic does not play nice with uh, Windows 10 unless you plug it into a USB 3.0 port, which I didn't find out for quite a while. Uh, So I was panicking that we weren't even going to be able to do a show this morning. Anyway, some interesting hiccups, but overall, Windows 10, I think, um, very impressive, very impressive. You
1: don't agree with Jeff's story about Solitaire. Needing to be paid now as being hysterical. If you disagree with that, if you pay Jeff two hundred dollars, <laughs> he will change his mind about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to. I'm yeah, free yeah. to play from now on, guys. Just let me know. I'll chime in. Just put some free money to in the tank. Yeah, free to op Free to opine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um what do you think i think christian this this seems like a story that you should be excited about uh, because of your love of ps plus and and free games um this uh vote to play feature that's coming to the playstation 4 where they're going to allow users to vote on the next game that goes free on playstation plus it'll be a grouping of three games and whichever game gets the most votes will be the the game that goes free and the other two i guess will be discounted um cool to put the power in the player's hands
1: uh i'm of two minds on this part of me thinks that choice is great and giving it to the people is great and then part of me is like man people are so stupid i can't believe we still have a jury system in this country when it's based on the european the english system and they've abolished it and look at what fan voting has done to all-star games like i don't want fans i want curation and some of my favorite ps plus games are games that i maybe wouldn't have you know voted for or played because i didn't know what it was and then they give you something for free and you're like well i have this Thing for free i guess i'll play it and then you end up loving it so i mean i think in an ideal world i don't get a choice but they only give me awesome games right which is an unfair standard um but i think for most people i i, I think that this is a w- we'll be happy about this am i the only weird like uh, grinch on this issue nicole is, do you think choice is good or do you think uh i mean the ultimate answer for me is right you want oh, what's the form of government you want a ruler only does good things <laughs> and, and that, <laughs> that doesn't exist, right?
2: Yeah, I, I guess uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I guess that applies to consoles. Um, <laughs> I think the choice thing is a—it's uh, a cool idea because it makes it makes the community feel like they are influencing the rest of the community, and, and that it actually just strengthens the sense of community they have. So, so by that you know standpoint, it's actually a really smart way to make people feel like they have a say. But I like your point in that if i can vote for my favorite god of war game that i've played a million times or some smaller game that i've never played before that other people might like i don't care i'm going to vote for the game that i love because that's kind of my identity so i feel like it's a good point that people are going to vote for the games that they already that they already love and so you're going to see a lot less games that are obscure and that are weird and that are that are less played
1: yeah, people in it's the chat are mentioning Rocket League. Like, would we have yeah. voted for Rocket League? I don't know. Right. It's a, such a great game. But yeah, who knows? Would fans have voted for that over uh, Ratchet Collection
0: or, you know, whatever? Something
2: right, because they'd have no idea what it was, so they'd be taking a chance.
0: Exactly. Yeah, Purple Hydra said uh, he's only a PS Plus member because of Rocket League. That's interesting. Um, I think uh, I, I think you guys are overestimating that a little bit just because it's, it's still just a grouping of three games. And, and so... Whoever is making the decision at Sony of which games are in that grouping is still, you know, it's still, um, uh, you know, making that decision. So it's not, it's not, you know, wildly different games. I'm sure it's a, a very, a, a group of games that they were th- considering anyway. So, you know, I like the choice. I like the, giving them the choice. Um, let's move on. You know, I was going to do this at the beginning of the show and I completely forgot because of all my Windows 10 issues. uh <laughs> Nicole, I want to talk to you a little bit about you you have you know you are our friend on We Can Confirmed and you have been a uh, video game personality for a long time, a pundit and a commentator and uh, worked a lot of places game trailers and all kinds of other places um but you transitioned not too long ago into becoming a community manager for the uh, odd gentleman and mm-hmm. I would love for you to talk a little bit about that job what what, what is a community manager? what do you do and um you know, like, what is your day to day role responsibility?
2: Um, yeah. So it's actually very similar to, um, what i did when i was at g4 as a social media manager in that you know i managed all of the the twitter account the facebook account the instagram account i do the tumblr account media-esque i do and i, I run that and i'm kind of the the odd uh, gentleman and then I'm oh uh, you know responding to messages and we get a ton of emails and, and private messages through those social accounts and so i'm helping people If like this past week i've been helping people who are stuck in king's quest or i'm helping people you know um, figure out the best way for them to download the game or uh, someone will send us messages because, oh, they love the game so much and because they, they're playing with their children and they had a really great experience and, you know, I'll, I'll talk to them about that. And it's basically just talking to people who like King's Quest all day. <laughs> so it's pretty great. <laughs> that
0: sounds pretty cool. I, I'm so curious, though. I mean, I, I kind of understand it from the perspective of, hey, you guys launched this game this week, but you've been doing this for several months now, right? Almost a year?
2: Um, I've been at the odd gentleman for two years,
0: two years. Oh my gosh. Time flies. Time flies. And I wasn't looking. So in those times when King's quest wasn't out and odd gentleman didn't have a, a game that was sort of, you know, prominent in everybody's consciousness. What, what was that job like during those periods?
2: Um, It was a lot of prep um, and it was a lot of research. And we had some mobile games we were working on and a PC game we worked on. And so I would do QA and I would do like, I was like a production assistant basically. And um, I would do like, I helped, I assisted with HR and I assisted with like, you know, running the office. And I'm kind of the only person in the office who doesn't code so anytime like, like writing needs to get done or an errand needs to be run or like any random piece of the game that needs to happen i can help facilitate that so yeah I wear a lot of hats because we're a really small team i mean this is going to be mm. a five chapter game and pe- if you're reading the reviews like this first chapter is like four to five hours and we're 20 people so you know we all do a lot of things
0: very cool um i'm i'm congratulate you on that position i think it's it's pretty cool it's a pretty cool team to be a part of i think and um they really uh, seem to be uh, you know advancing in prominence of of a um of a developer to keep your eye on because uh you know their first few games were these small indie things and now you know working with a franchise as as known and as big a part of the gaming history as king's quest that's that's a pretty big deal that's pretty cool
2: pretty big deal
0: well, let's get to that now. Uh, let's move into what we've been playing and uh, go to the playlist.
2: All
0: right, we've all been playing a bunch of King's Quest. Uh, Nicole, why don't you start there? I'm obviously you. Uh, you know, you're not exactly. Um, Neutral on this on this topic, but (laughs) but tell me tell me what uh, the approach from the odd gentleman for this King's Quest is is very different. You know, it it does does feel like it's it's been influenced by where adventure games have come in the last few years with Telltale and and those other kinds of things. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with King's Quest?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, so this King's Quest, uh, King's Quest: A Night to Remember is chapter one that's out now. Uh, You know, we. Everyone at the team, especially our creative director, Matt, loved, loved King's Quest. And they played all the games and memorized them and like, and it was just, King's Quest was such a part of their childhoods that they knew exactly how they wanted to make this game. And so we we really did, and like you said, you know, paid attention to where adventure games are right now. And at the same time, we really wanted to pay homage to where they came from. So it was kind of you know, we balanced old school adventure gamers with people who are new to the adventure series and kind of decided to make a game that could appeal to both. And uh, so far, I think we have.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, take. It's it's very much focused on story. You know, I grew up with those King's Quest games, um, loving them with my whole heart. And the, the style of that, you know, Click on a pixel, find a thing, uh, has, has, has gone away, has gone away. They used to rule the roost. I mean, King's Quest was, was what Call of Duty is now in its day. It was the AAA franchise that defined the medium for a lot of people. It was that thing that pushed technology forward. It was the game that I bought a sound card for with my, <laughs> with my old PC. You know, I wanted to hear that orchestral music. I mean, this was, it's a sound card, not, not because there were voices. There were no voices. It was just orchestral music that I wanted to hear because they had actually green taken sleeves. an orchestra. Yeah, <laughs> right, Greensleeves. They had actually taken an orchestra and composed music. And my little ad-lib sound card wanted to play it or my little sound blaster that I moved up to, 16-bit sound blaster sound card. Uh you know, the, this was like state of the art, and I remember when they first started using, you know, hand painted backgrounds. Oh my God, King's Quest has hand painted backgrounds with two hundred fifty six colors. Two hundred fifty six. How did they find so many colors? Uh, this was, you know, this this franchise really is beloved to a lot of people, including myself. So, you know, I'm I'm sure it was a daunting task to to jump in there and and have um have that mantle on top, but. I love the framing of the story of King's Quest. You know, it's a, it's a tale within a tale and, uh, any game that has the voice of Wallace Shawn in it, I'm I'm already <laughs> excited about But Christopher Lloyd does the voice of old, uh, King, um, oh gosh, what's his name? It just jumped out of my head. Um, King Graham, Graham. Yeah. Uh, old King Graham. And he's uh, telling the story to his, to his, uh, granddaughter and talking about the sort of the, the adventures that he had well before the first King's Quest game. Is that right?
2: I'm sorry. What was that last part? It's
0: the it's the sto- it's a prequel to the to King's Quest One, right? Is these are young Graham stories.
2: Oh, right. So it's the overarching story where old Graham's telling the story that takes place after all the King's Quest games that you know and love, and then mm-hmm. he'll be telling stories each chapter that take place throughout his life. So right. in chapter one, chapter one happens to be the the. The only one that could be described, I guess, as a prequel, because it takes place before King's Quest 1. In King's Quest 1, Graham's a knight already, and he's Sir Graham, and so he's mm-hmm. becoming he wants to become a king. But we don't know how he became a knight in the first place. So Graham's telling the story to his granddaughter how that happened. And so all right. of these chapters will kind of follow that concept of filling in the gaps of the stories you already know. And and watching Graham grow up to eventually becoming the old man, the old you know king he is now.
0: Yeah, and and you know, there's a mix of of sort of actiony stuff. There's some platforming and some weird, you know, some actual first person uh, arrow shooting stuff. Uh, it's it's fairly simplistic when it comes to that things, but the the game has a mix of styles, and then of course that old. You know, go to the edge of the screen to get to the next area and grab an item and make it and use it uh, for uh, to complete a puzzle, uh, so that the classic King's Quest. Um, template but Uh i'm so impressed with um the the level of choice that you get in how to solve things there's a lot more of that than ever you know in king's quest uh, you know of my youth you had a puzzle and it had one solution and it was all about beating your head against the wall until you found that solution but it seems like the game has many more branching paths this time around with uh different ways to solve things is that right
2: yeah, absolutely. We wanted to have the the gameplay evolve a little bit and like like you said with the with the arrows or like it's not really platforming so much as just like moving forward by obstacles. But like we have these different gameplay moments as well as, you know, choices because it it kind of breaks up the 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 gameplay and then helps the narrative like the Mm -hmm. narrative was like very much the deciding factor in how we split up gameplay but for the choices like we really wanted people to be able to choose how they what kind of adventurer they are what kind of knight they they are what kind of king would they become and so not only are there little choices throughout the game that seem to have very little effect they don't they have an effect but there's also bigger choices that's it kind of dictates what kind of knight you would become. So we have the bravery path, we have the wise path and we have the compassionate path Hmm. and there is no wrong path and there's no dead ends. You're not going to like get like 70% into the game and be like, Oh no, I forgot the emeralds or I don't have any cheese. Like that's not going to (laughs) happen.
0: I mean, you might say I don't have any cheese, but that's more of like a personal issue. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's so interesting. And know, I, I, I liked how it dealt with, um, death. You know, there were, there were moments where I would be, you know, bludgeoned by something or stuck with a spike. And, and, uh, there's various ways that the game dealt with that. You know, obviously you're being told the story years in advance, so the character didn't die. So he goes, eh, well, that's not really what happened. If I had done that, I would have died, but I'm here telling you, talking to the, telling you the story. Uh, I thought that was pretty clever. Um, and it clearly seems to be a game that's that's aimed at all ages, not you know, not just um, not just hardcore gamers, not just young gamers, but it really kind of has a, a broad appeal. It's that fairy tale um, aesthetic which I, I I always liked in the King's Quest games. Um,
2: yeah, Christian, you played really a bunch hoping. of it, right?
0: Yeah, uh, you played a bunch of it, right, Christian?
1: I did. I, I have not quite finished the first chapter. I believe I'm I'm fairly close. I'm of two minds on this game too were part of me really it's beautiful um graham's cloak is is cool it's kind of a cell shaded you know it's like a cartoon come to life at the animation uh i would say superior to things that you've seen in the telltale games um in terms of similar adventuring storytelling games this the voice acting is really well done the story is fun and charming um But man, the moment-to-moment gameplay is so boring to me. I just don't care. It's like, walk, do this, pick up this, do that. And I know it's it's being like a throwback to those adventure games that maybe I've also just aged out of or moved past. But my my conflicting thoughts with it are, the story is cool and fun and compelling, but then I almost just want to watch the story. I just want to watch this cartoon, and I don't feel like my interacting with it is adding anything to my investment in the story and then the puzzles are sometimes cute and clever and i'm not trying to discredit them but i I feel like then i'd rather just play a puzzle game i'd rather play the room on my phone or or my ipad or something if i wanted you know an engaging puzzle i I think a game that kind of warped those things together well was something like portal where the, the puzzle solving itself was fun and the story on top was kind of almost icing on the cake where I feel like you played that for the puzzles, but the story was, Oh, this is better than I thought. Whereas so far in King's quest, I'm really into the story, but I almost wish I didn't have to, well, not almost. I wish I didn't have to play it. Like, I think I am more likely to watch the other chapters on Twitch or something and, and just see it done because the production quality is great. And the story is so charming, but I just, I, I'm, I just get bored. I'm just clicking on stuff. And I don't know why, uh diablo i'm fine clicking on stuff and in this i'm just like huh, this feels rote and <laughs> i feel i um, bad saying it but it's just not it's not doing it for me
0: i think he just gave my review of batman arkham knight
1: yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> sure yeah totally
0: <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i um i've been playing with the controller which Thank is interesting too. i've been playing on the pc oh you've been playing with the controller as well
1: yeah, I prefer. I tried the mouse and keyboard. I didn't like uh, W A S D control. Uh, it has analog control. At least it feels uh, analog with the 360 controller. I much prefer it with a controller.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's. Uh, I think it's a lot better with the controller too. Um, what I like about it, I just it, it, in the experience of thinking through. Oh, you know, there there was a time when these adventure games would get got to the point where you the the logic of the puzzle was stupid the logic of the puzzle (laughs) didn't work it was like you have a pack of chewing gum okay well i'll just try the pack of chewing gum then uh oh the pack of chewing gum worked Uh, i don't know why that works but okay i move on you know there was a time in the in the evolution of those adventure games where it just got to the point of combine things in your inventory and it doesn't really make much sense what i like about this game uh is it's a throwback to those old games but it plays with me. It toys with me in, in really fun ways in the sense of, you know, I'll have an idea of how to do something and then I'll, it'll let me do it and it'll almost work, but then it'll take that away from me and force me to come up with a different solution. And, and I, I really like that. What I like most about this King's quest iteration is the feeling that I'm having this kind of conversation with the developers or with the storyteller, I guess is a better way of saying it they're telling me the story and I'm going, Oh, I got it. I figured it out. I use that. And then it's like, Oh no, you thought you could use that. Cause that makes sense. But guess what? He's still, it's still not the complete answer that we're still going to, you know, it goes wrong some way down the line. So you have to be even smarter. Uh, and that's, that's what I'm enjoying the most about, about this version of King's Quest, along with the things you mentioned, which is fantastic animation and fun voice acting.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you'd like adventure games, I can wholeheartedly recommend this game. But I mean, just for full disclosure on me, the newest Telltale games I've also found, um <laughs> very over. I loved Walking Dead season one and everything else since then. I've kind of been like, uh, uh. so yeah, it's, it, I think your Batman analogy is perfect. It's kind of different strokes for different folks where some games will grab you and others won't. I've had no glitches in this game, which is <laughs> more than I can say for most Telltale games. Um, and it's fun and engaging and my daughter enjoys watching. So you know tons of tons of pros here too
2: no i, th- I think that's awesome i mean I, you know adventure games aren't for everyone and it, it's a genre that's coming back i think slowly and i mean we definitely appreciate all the feedback and i i'm glad you i'm glad you tried because it seems like you don't love the adventure game genre too much and you played you put a good amount of time into it anyway and uh i think that's awesome so i'm glad you played even if you didn't love it i still feel so glad you played <laughs>
0: Uh, in the chat, Stats1 says, uh, it's been 30 freaking years. Why hasn't anyone come up with something new uh, with these adventure games? And I think that's super unfair because I think they absolutely have come up with lots of things new. And I think almost the, you know, th- this game plays very differently than the old King's Quest games. It it has a flavor that is reminiscent, but it's very different. You know, it it really does feel more like being part of a Don Bluth cartoon or something and there's a lot more action there's a lot more uh, there's platforming segments there's um you know these other kind of gameplay elements that that break up that classic adventure game thing and um he also asked if there's qte yeah there's some qte stuff there's all these different developments that have happened and i think telltale and the odd gentleman have have created games that are very much an evolution of what those adventure games were but still kind of have story at their core and have puzzle solving at their core as well. So I think that's um, a huge
1: testament to both of them being in for as wildly successful And this game is this King's quest chapter is getting game of the year. Talk already telltale certainly has had huge hits on their hands. And I think there's something that needs to be, you know, we need to run up to the mountain and, and scream how great this is that they're making these classic style games that have so much new, but you don't feel like fans of the old type of gameplay aren't, upset it's not rubbing people the wrong way i mean it's been 30 years why is there anything new that's like saying it's been 30 years since wolfenstein why is there nothing new in first person shooters there's tons of new stuff in first person shooters but it's still a first person shooter right you can't say games right. of war the new change to the first person shooter <laughs> like, so it'd be like well, an adventure that game, is third person shooter but yeah, yes the new I'm, change that was my third point.
2: person yeah,
1: thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you load up an adventure game and it's like coming now an adventure game series rock to its core this fall do <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like that's Actually, not what that game is
2: yeah. Doom quest
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, the chat room is talking about what it would be like to add VR to these experiences. And don't get me started because uh, I think that would be, I think that would be awesome. I want to be in that experience where I'm like looking around the environment, peeking my head around corners in a VR environment, finding the item and picking it up and moving it and slotting it into the display. I want, I would love that kind of slow paced adventure game where I'm in a virtual environment and have to manipulate objects to get out, you know, like the, the virtual uh, escape room or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think that'd be rad, but
2: I would okay. never leave. Like I would, like, it would start <laughs> a level and I would like search the one forested area for like 45 minutes. And I'm like, oh, what about this leaf? What, what about, okay, what about that leaf? This leaf looks like it has a shine to it. Is This a special leaf. Like I, I would just, I would accomplish nothing. If it was VR questing.
0: <laughs> I love it. Uh, Christian, what else is on your playlist?
1: I've been meaning to talk about this for a little bit since it came out. Um, Have either of you played any of the Sega 3D remasters that are out on the 3DS, Nicole or Jeff? No.
2: Uh, No, I haven't.
1: Oh, man. Streets of Rage 2 came out maybe two weeks ago. I think Sonic 2 is their next one. So M2 has been developing these 3D remasters of these old Genesis games. Holy crap. One, I love Streets of Rage 2. It's one of my favorite brawlers of all time, especially growing up as a Sega kid, the dumb... uh, you know, little jabs at Nintendo in there with like the really huge fat Mario and <laughs> Luigi bosses and uh, the guy that's kind of like Saget when Genesis didn't have Street Fighter. Anyway, um, so I'm not a huge fan of 3D, Jeff. You know that. But these games in 3D, it it's it's incredible. I, it, it makes it feel new. Like you flatten the 3D and you're like, oh, I'm playing a very competent, you know, reproduction of Streets of Rage 2. You turn the 3D on, And it almost looks like Papercraft, the way the work that M2 put into making these 3D. Um, And I also have played Space Space Harrier was one of the earlier um, batches of these games. It, of course, was an old 3D arcade game. Um, But Streets of Rage 2, what a beautiful game. It has one of the best video game soundtracks, in my opinion, from that that era too. And um, next time, if you have a friend that has this, people listening or Jeff, next time I'll bring my 3DS over. It's hard to explain, but somehow making it 3D Turned this game from whatever it was, 1992 Streets of Rage 2 into Shovel Knight. Like just adding that 3D perspective the way M2 did it and they tilted the backgrounds to, you know, make the time to make proper perspective for 3D on this 2D plane. Incredible. I think it's six bucks on the 3DS shop. And if you like um, if you like those old games or you, you liked Final Fight but never played Streets of Rage 2, I can wholeheartedly recommend picking it up. And the game's still tough as nails. Play as Blaze. She's my favorite even though there's a guy on rollerblades in it. But skates, I'm not a big fan of skate.
0: I thought you were uh, sort of down on the 3D feature of the 3DS. Do you you usually play? No. This is the exception to that.
1: It's it's incredible. Yeah. Almost always I have it turned off, except for 3D land where, you know, you go into those bonus stages and it's like, hey, idiot, (laughs) turn on 3D. Um, I almost always play it flat down. But this game in 3D, it, it modernizes it in such a weird way that I didn't think just changing it into 3D could, um, yeah. I'll show you. It's it's incredible. I wish I wish there was a way to show on video the difference that 3D makes for these games. M2 is doing an incredible job on these ports. That's awesome.
0: Uh, I'm so impressed because, um, you know, I'm the guy that cranks up the 3D every time I pick up a 3DS i go to events or i play my own or somebody else brings theirs over and i'm always like sliding it all the way up i love the 3d f- feature and i usually i'm usually the only one in that conversation so it's cool to hear that these old games are kind of getting a benefit from that and it doesn't feel like it's just a tacked on weird strange feature
1: no yeah they put in they put in love to these and i know um, nintendo's done some too with like old kirbys i haven't played those but so i can only talk to the the m2 sega games but yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Really, really cool. And Streets of Rage, Streets of Rage too, man. I mean, come on. Nicole, did you ever, what is your, uh, what was your childhood console gaming memory? And have you gone back? Have you ever done Final Fight, Streets of Rage, Sonic, or are you kind of N64 and up?
2: I mean, I, N64 is the one that I have actual memories of. I have... Some memories of SNES games, like uh, like Power Rangers, was it was the one I remember the most. But yeah, I I never really go back. And when I do go back, even if I go and if I go back, I mean like Xbox original, like the graphics are so. I don't want to say bad because that's not fair to them. They they deserve better. It was just what they were for the time. But they're just so jarring that I can't I can't look past how the game looks to focus on what the game actually is. And that yeah. sucks because there's so many good games that came out before, you know, the, they, they look the way that I'm used to. But yeah, it's just, it's just jarring and I, and I can't focus.
1: Is that for true mm-hmm. for sprite graphics too? Like I find for me, the sprite graphics have held up way better than early polygon graphics like PS1, Xbox One era graphics. I'm like, Ugh. but you go back and you look at Super Mario World or Mario 3 or something like that. And you're like, for me, those are much more playable.
2: Yeah, no, I I can see that, but at the same time, um, whenever I try to play a NES game, it's either, like, really, like, the pixels, because I'll play it bigger, I'll play it on a TV that it wasn't meant for, and so it's either (laughs) kind of hard to see, or the game is just super unforgiving, so not only have graphics gotten better, but they've definitely got better at holding your hand, which I like, so, yeah, I I, I haven't been able to go back.
1: Yeah, no, I understand, that's why I wanted to ask, so uh, bear that in mind, I'm 34, listeners, so... If you're younger than me, you might hate Streets of Rage.
0: Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. There's a lot of people, a surprising number of people in the chat room who are saying that uh, they're agreeing with me that they usually uh, throw the 3D on. They crank it up um, when they pick up a 3DS. Uh, I, I Do you feel have the like- newest one? I wish I had the newest one. No, I do not. I have the old, the original 3DS, the first 3DS. I'm okay. I'm so tempted. Every time Christian shows his off to me, which is a lot. Uh <laughs> he's always bringing it around and I'm always very jealous of its its size and majesty. But um
2: wait for NX,
1: right? We're we're soon. We have to be soon.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, I mean a year. I mean a year is the soonest, right? Like Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I have the newest 3DS. I have the Majora's Mask one. And I was definitely one of those people who was not into the 3D at all. It, it kind of made my eyes hurt and I would get headaches. But the 3D on the new 3DS XL is actually really nice. And it, it doesn't bother my eyes right away. Eventually it will, but it, it's actually really nice.
0: <laughs> Eventually you'll go blind, but it's <laughs> great now. It, it
2: makes my head like get like, the worst migraine but for like 30 <laughs> minutes, though. It looks great. <laughs>
1: Gotta be
0: um, this dungeon. Must be
2: this
1: dungeon
2: <laughs> For the pain.
0: We are in the midst of summer, uh, the summer sort of slowdown, I guess you call it. And so my my playlist looks remarkably the same as as it it has in the previous weeks. Uh, I, I with the addition of King's Quest, played a lot of King's <laughs> Quest uh, this week, um, which was great, and I really like a lot. But, you know, I'm cranking on The Witcher. I have this goal to uh, finish The Witcher 3 before Fallout 4 comes out, uh, which is, I think, a, a modest goal. But uh, is not going to be easy because I am still so, – I love that game. I love that game. I'm so reminded of how much I love that mm-hmm. game. But I am so incapable of not doing things. And I'm worried that my completionist side will – it will cause me to putter out, peter out before the game, before I finish the game proper. You know, there's a point at which, like, God, I gotta do all these question marks and I've put in 40, 50 hours in this game and uh, there's still more question marks and I haven't done the main quest story and uh, there's a new game coming out and I gotta move on. And I don't want that to happen with this one because I finished both of the previous Witchers and. Uh, I really want the main story to, and I know they've got a new game plus mode coming out, which is even insane, but there's so much to this game, guys. So much.
1: You're letting your love uh, for Hennifer burn slow and burn deep.
2: You
1: yeah, she can, anything. she can but wait. She can wait. But
2: this game's been out for months already. Like,
1: I know. You, you might but have a problem. The no, I, he has a problem that it took him this
0: long to start playing it. That's his okay,
2: problem. Okay, okay. I didn't, I didn't realize you didn't start right away
0: no i did start right away then i got no. sidetracked <laughs> and now i'm back uh now i'm back and now there's this fallout 4 staring i'm staring down the the barrel of fallout 4 because that game is gonna be massive and gigantic and there's gonna be tomb raider coming out on the same day uh it's uh yeah. it's you know it's these are hard life problems but do you know what we should um, do jeff i'll play we
1: fallout do? 4 and you play Tomb Raider, and so we'll both beat them as quick as possible, so we can trade to play the game we actually want to play. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like okay, it. Trade. I like it. I think I might actually play Tomb Raider first because I know I'll finish that way earlier than uh, than Fallout Four.
2: It's also yeah. nice to have like an RPG palette cleanser. You know, like you get so yes. into an RPG of the the questing grind and getting items and upgrading your character that like you need a little break before you let yourself go down that rabbit hole again
0: yeah
1: i, I don't know no, i i vault. totally agree i've heard one vault in fallout 4 is just tomb
0: raider though so <laughs> <laughs> no i, I totally agree I a love, rabbit
2: hole so it's, who knows
0: i love stacking games that that are uh different from each other and i think one of the reasons i i moved away from witcher 3 is that i had just come off of you know dragon age inquisition at that point and you know it was like I like stacking games that are different, and I do the same with books too, where it's like, well, I gotta ha- read something that's a completely different kind of feel before I move on to the same thing. Uh, so I don't, you're right. I don't know if I want to jump right into Fallout 4 after Witcher 3, but I do feel like I'll be playing Witcher 3 up until the day <laughs> Fallout comes out because it, like, even the side quests are these massive multi-step You know, it says, like, secondary quests, and you're like, oh, well, it's probably short. I'll just do – I'll just rattle off a few of those because they're – you know, I'm I'm in the wheelhouse of the level. No, they're, like, multi-stage, huge discussions, big, long stories in and of themselves, and that's to the game's credit. Like, I love all that, and it's fascinating, and all the creatures you discover and interact with are super interesting, and – You know, I'm, I'm taking part in rituals and doing crazy stuff and making love to ladies. And, you know, it's like, it's, (laughs) it's a life, man. It's a witcher in life. Uh, and, uh, it's not just going to question marks and cleaning out bandit dens, which I do a lot of. Also, I do a lot of bandit elimination.
2: Sure. Someone's got to clean up that town.
0: Yeah, and it's me. It's the Witcher. Yeah. I'm gonna grow a beard. That's how, that's how you know a game is long is your, your character actually grows a comedically long <laughs> white beard while you do quests. It's like, you don't have to rub it in how much of my life I'm spending on this game. I'm basically rip Van Winkling my own life and the character in the game is showing me She's like, yeah, you've been playing this a while. I grew a beard while I was waiting for you to finish this secondary quest. Yeah. The
1: crazy thing is, that's not even a character created by the game, that's just a little mirror that's reflecting your real life. life. <laughs> uh, if
0: only I could look like Geralt of Rivia, oh, that'd be awesome. Um, anyway, so yeah, so it's you know, it's still Heroes of the Storm, it's still Witcher 3, and then I'm also playing a crap ton of the car of Card Hunter, which I keep bringing up on the show. Uh, I hope people. Give that game a shot. It's on Steam now. It's free to play. It's glorious. One of the best designed games, I think, ever. Uh, it is uh, It's so great. It's such a smart, smart, smart system. So, you know, I have three extraordinarily long, deep games, and I have to do my dailies for my Heroes of the Storm.
2: and uh, Wow. It's like chores. It's like you have like you're like a nine year old who has like a chore calendar, you know, yeah. like Monday I have to do the dishes and beat this quest in the Witcher. Like that's that's your life now.
0: It's a difficult life, Nicole. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you, you've chosen you know, this. I have. I have. My wife is super stoked about it, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, let's get to some a cue that we can give our A's to. Uh, This is the part where we read your cues and we give our A's. Uh, This cue was sent into our Gmail, which is dlcfeedback at gmail.com from William Westman from Sweden. Uh, He says he loves the show. uh, And he says, you know that feeling when there's a rainy day and you sit there by the kitchen table with a cup of coffee in front of you, you look out the window and you just zone out, focusing on your happy place If there's one game I return to as my happy place, it's the saboteur. And he, he says he plays the 360 version far from the best game I've ever played, but something with that game stuck with me blowing up those propaganda towers, sniping Nazis, and just roaming the streets of occupied Paris was something very special pandemic stumbled onto something special with that game, but I probably wouldn't want to play it again But the uh, memories from that experience are enough. So do you guys have any Happy Place games you return to? Uh, I will say right quick, I think the Saboteur is one of the most underappreciated games of that entire generation. Uh, It's a game that I reviewed on the Totally Rad show and had some serious criticisms of. But the the longer I've thought about that game, the more I love the experience. I've completed it. I loved it. I think it is brilliant on so many levels it's one of the best examples of open world games uh, of that generation in my opinion and it really really transcends its flaws uh, and it does have flaws but there's so many cool stuff so i totally agree with you i don't know if it's my happy place game but uh, the saboteur is a very underappreciated old game from the 360 generation uh, but nicole do you have a happy place game
2: yeah actually i think that question's a, a really great question and i hadn't i hadn't read it before you you just read it and I, th- the first game I thought of was Viva Pinata. And mm. um, it's just such a like, happy, calm, colorful game. And, like, sure, there are a lot of dark elements to it. But I, I really love that game. And it's so relaxing. And I, you know what? I bought Rare Replay already. And it's going to get here tomorrow. And I'm so excited now. Like, <laughs> I'm in, like I'm in my happy place already. Just thinking about it, like, arriving at my desk tomorrow. This
0: is a. I'm in a great place right now emotionally. <laughs> so, Viva Pinata, it, 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 you know, it's a game that I played a bunch of too. I never played the second one. I only played the first one. But second uh, you're one not like, as good. Yeah, well, Especially I know you're. I there. know you're a you're a huge Pokemon fan. So it it kind of scratches that same Pokemon itch, right? It's like it's almost Pokemon Light, right? You're cultivating all these little uh, pinatas, and you have to collect them and catch them and stuff, right? And grow them. <laughs>
2: Yeah, like, there could be, like, an alternate fiction where after you capture all these Pokemon, you send them to this world to live harmoniously, like, within the Pokemon PC. Like, I, I, could, I could see that. Does yeah. Does that make any sense? Uh,
0: <laughs> <So is> it, <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's like the, it's like this w- fanfic crossover issue that you're writing on your own. <laughs> yeah, it, I like it's it.
2: developing as I talk right now.
0: <laughs> um. So is, is it like the colors of the pinata? What is it that makes it your happy place?
2: I, it, I mean, really, yeah, the colors are a huge thing. And the animals are all pretty and they're all happy. And even if they die, they leave you candy. So, I mean, that's like the best way to cope with death. Um, it, there's flowers and there's pretty and like y- you're working to make them as happy as possible. But in the end, really, you're the one who's becoming the happiest. Also, <laughs> also p- listeners, if you get Rare Replay, you can send me pinatas. So hit me up on Twitter because I want you to send me pinatas. Thanks.
0: I think that they should. I think everyone should send her pinatas. Send me pinatas. Um, send me pinatas. Uh Christian, what's your what's your happy place game or games? Well,
1: this summer it's been Rocket League. <clears throat> I know I talked about it when it when uh it came out. I've gone on and, and played with friends and one game becomes 10, becomes 20, becomes, oh, crap. <laughs> um, is that a happy
0: place game or is that a, like, super competitive, frustrated when we lose? No, are you, are you...
1: even even losing is fun because, you know, you'll have one awesome block or one great goal. Or I also kind of enjoy that type of frustration. Like I said, when I talked about it before, it reminds me of Blitz and NBA Jam. And and those games for me have always been, been happy place games. It's kind of is my zen of just, like, get in get out ultimately it doesn't matter because i'm not super invested where i don't like for you and heroes it's like if my rank goes down i'm like okay (laughs) i'm not trying to be pro i mean i divorced my wife and disowned my kids and moved into a house with other fellow pro rocket league players but other than that (laughs) i'm pretty chill about it the other (laughs) games i've talked about a bunch of them on this show i kind of go in and out of them but i really enjoy retro games and and i love that you can just dive into them now and they're They're pretty cheap. It's crazy that, you know, a game that was $80 back in the Super NES days is $6 download now or whatever. And so a lot of the retro games you hear me talk about on this show are games that I've kind of zen out on for a little bit and go back and enjoy Aladdin on uh, Genesis I've been playing and Lion King. So I don't have one game that pulls me back per se. It's kind of a, a feeling that I'm going for.
0: I would say my Happy Place game, the first game that popped into my head as a game where I just loved being in it is pixel junk Eden. Uh, I think that pixel junk Eden is in that pantheon of my favorite games of all time. And mostly because I just loved being in it. I loved, I loved the feeling of floating through and zipping around and collecting all those little, little, uh, pods of whatever they're pollen pods or whatever they are. Uh, (laughs) It, the later levels are extremely frustrating. Like there's a level that has wind that uh, I would I would be standing up in front of my television and like giving it like body English leaning to one side. Like just please just ah, – I didn't make the jump um, that were frustrating. But like the early levels, like the first six or seven giant worlds of that game are as serene and wonderful and just – just – great places to be in and the graphics all work great. And you're just, you're growing things and you're getting higher and you're zipping around and you're grappling onto stuff. It is just great. And I, I love pixel junk Eden. I wish there was a sequel. I wish that was a franchise, man. Um, that, that was just a a wonderful, wonderful game that I miss playing. um, I do need to thank our sponsor. I completely forgot to thank our second sponsor. Oh my gosh. And I can't do that. It's Linda. We love Linda.com. dot com slash D L C is your place to go. If you want to learn stuff. Oh my gosh. Uh, Linda is an amazing platform. It is a, uh, online learning platform with over 3000 on demand video courses that you can use to strengthen your business, your technology, your creative skills. Uh, we're going to give you a free 10 day trial. So don't even take my word for it. Go check it out. You can learn all kinds of uh, stuff, uh, software programs, anything you need. You need tips on uh, Photoshop or Excel or uh, anything, income tax stuff, uh, whatever you need, photography, video game design. There's all kinds of video game design courses on lynda.com. There's uh, HTML5. There's 3D Studio Max. There's Maya stuff. There's uh, Unity programming, which uh, it makes it really easy to learn that stuff if you want to get into game design. All kinds of courses, everything is searchable because it's all has a uh, transcript. So you can search keyword search and it'll go right to the video to the point you want to learn about. Uh, you don't have to sit through boring, um, morons that don't know what they're talking about. These are all experts in their field. These are all people that know what they're talking about and c- deliver the information in clear, concise ways, good, high quality videos also, uh, with examples, it's great, and you can uh, sync up things and read and watch at the same time, download the tutorials and watch them on the go. It, it You can put them on your iOS or Android device. This is the place to go if you need to learn about anything, and I think learning is pretty much my favorite thing to do in the world. So why not give it a shot? We'll give you 10 days free, lynda.com slash dlc. Head over there, lynda.com slash dlc. And uh check it out. Ten days free. Learn something new or uh, polish up a skill. It's it's great. Check it out and uh, let them know that you heard it from us by going to lynda.com slash dlc. Um all right, peeps. Um I know that uh, we are running along here, but I definitely, this week especially, I don't wanna not carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Right now, right now. So this was a big week in tabletop gaming because this was the week of Gen Con. This last weekend it was Gen Con in Indianapolis, which is pretty much the biggest domestic board gaming convention, the biggest one in in, in America, I would say. Uh, and so that's a place where a lot of games are debuted, a lot of games are released. Uh, it's, it's sort of board gaming mecca. And, uh, I did not go. I was at Nerdtacular this weekend in podcast movement, but, um, but man, I sh- certainly kept my eye on the coverage. And a really cool thing, if you go to boardgamegeek.com, which is sort of the world's leading board gaming website, Uh, They do something cool called Geek Buzz, and that is uh, a leaderboard of games that are sort of the most talked about, most referenced, most hyped games coming out of Gen Con 2015. So I kind of wanted to talk about these top 10 uh, most buzzed about games coming out of Gen Con uh, from afar. I don't have any firsthand – well, some of them I do, but um, most of them I I haven't played personally. But I thought it would be fun to catch up the audience on some of this cool news coming out of Gen Con. Uh, the number one game on the Geek Buzz list is a game I think all three of us would really dig playing, uh, and it's surprising because uh, Gen Con is such a such a big hobbyist convention that this is a real mainstream uh, party game, really. Um, it's called Codenames, and it's a game by uh, Vlada uh, Chivadl. Oh, gosh, I never can pronounce his name, but he's a very, very prominent designer of uh, a lot of... Uh, amazing games. Uh, this is a, 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 um, party game where it's kind of like password. You're trying to get people to, uh, guess the, a word by giving them one other word of a clue. But the twist is you have a giant grid of words of, you lay these cards out in a big grid pattern. And, uh, you, whoever is trying to get, whoever's the leader of your team has a cheat sheet, that shows a color coded version of the grid that breaks down which of the words on the grid are your teams, which of the word on the grid are another teams and which words are like instant death. So you're trying to give a one word clue that gets the people on your team to guess as many words that are your words on the grid as they can but none of the words that are your other teams words and certainly none of the words that are instant death because that means the game's over. So it's this w- weird thing where usually in a game like password you're trying to, you know, say one word to get somebody to say orange, you know, you go say juice and you try to get them to say orange. Well, in this case, you could have the word orange, you could have the word basketball, you could have the word um tennis shoe. You could have, you know, whatever. And you're trying to maybe use one word to get them to say all three of those things to get as many points as you can, but you don't want them to say, um, fruit, right? So you'll say, well, you'll see your, your word. Um, but you don't want, and you'll say how many, how many cards on the board relate to your word. So they know how many to try to guess, but you don't want them to say fruit. So you can't, say juice right so you have to go color or you have to you know you have to be even more clever to try to get them to say some of the words but not others of the words it sounds like a really cool game to me something you guys would want to play
2: yeah it sounds fun i like those kinds of games
0: yeah this is the number one on the geek buzz list at, at board game geek coming out of uh coming out of gen con a couple of others uh that i want to mention um there's a game called Flick 'em up which is a wild West game with cardboard bits and wooden bits. And it, you literally build a like cardboard town, uh old West town. And this is a dexterity game where you are flicking wooden bits at other characters. You flick to move your character around. Uh, so if you, you flick a, a little disc to move where your character goes, wherever that disc ends up, that's where your character stands. If that disc hits something, anything on the, on the board, on the, The land, you've got these, you know, these, these, uh, building faces, you've got bales of hay, you've got all kinds of crazy stuff. If it hits anything, you didn't move at all. So you have to flick very carefully to try to get to where you want to go and not hit anything. And then if you want to shoot something or someone, you get another little disc and you can flick that disc at somebody and you shoot them. And if you knock their little piece over, that means you shot them. Uh, and you can, you know, it's got these mounted faces of buildings that have a little hole cut in them for the door and you can like flick your guy through the hole and if he goes through the hole he goes into the building and you can have like shootouts in the building it's a really clever idea and it's all flick based dexterity stuff uh that's a game called flick em up how cool is that christian
1: uh, very cool why would it not be cool i haven't played it maybe it's not cool are you pressuring me into saying it's not <laughs> cool i will not succumb to your tricks jeff
0: well, it's interesting how uh, many of the games at, uh, on this geek buzz list from Gen Con are games we have played, uh, ashes rise of the Phoenix born. You and I played on gamer day. Uh, it's getting a lot it's of a buzz. Game. Yeah. Really cool game. <laughs> um, there's also a game that I wanted, a, a Mysterium, which is a game I've talked about a lot. I think you played it with me. Did you, where you have to decipher dreams yes, to, yes. uh, yeah.
1: And I was the dream giver and I, who I thought I was doing great and I was it. Reminds me of that Simpsons, uh, Pictionary scene with, uh, what's his name? Oh, come on. Brain's not working, but you know, this is integrity. Haven't you ever seen integrity before? And (laughs) I'm like This is clearly the answer. They're going to get it. And you guys are like, well, the colors of this go to colors of that. So he's probably talking about a cobra snake. And I'm like, you idiots talking (laughs) about a donut.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, they finally, I mean, we were playing the, um, check version i think of that game uh or something like that it was not in english and i had to get the the rules translated but now finally the english version is coming out of mysterium so that debuted at gen con so that's like number 5 on the geek buzz list uh there's also a game i think is really cool called ninja camp and the idea uh uh nicole do you like the uh the kung fu panda movies
2: uh yeah I didn't want to yeah, admit th- it, but like I feel like this is the time to be honest.
0: Yeah, this is the time to be honest. You got to be honest. Yeah. So this is the same kind of aesthetic. It's not officially a Kung Fu Panda game, but it's it's the idea that there's these animals and they want to get mad uh, Kung Fu ninja skills. So they sure. go to a ninja ninja camp, uh-huh. uh, and uh, you pick an animal. And ninja camp is like this big. You lay out a bunch of cards, and the cards. This is such a clever idea. The cards are. um are movement types, you know, like you can dodge, you can sprint, you can flip, you can do all these cool ninja skills, right? And you have your little marker on top of that card and, uh, of, you know, in this, in this grid of cards. And when you move off of that card using a card from your hand, so let's say I have a card in my hand that's sprint and I put that card down and I sprint off of the card I'm standing on. The card I'm standing on goes into my hand and adds to my potential movement list. So now I've I've moved to a different place, but also added a new movement into my hand. But also, because I lifted that card out of the grid of cards, I've created a hole in the grid. So now movement is more difficult within that grid. So I need more interesting movement. So I need to be able to, for example, potentially flip over that hole or go around it or whatever. So you're trying to create a system where the moves you make add more options into your hand, but also affect the world that you're moving through. It's super simple. It's really clever. And it's got that like Kung Fu Panda aesthetic with animals that do Kung Fu. And it's just like a cool idea. Ninja camp. So rad. Um, there's another game called uh, above and below, which is number 10 on the geek buzz list. That looks really awesome. Uh, where you're building, uh, it is a, very uh European worker placement game, which are games I love mixed with games like tales of the Arabian nights, which are storytelling games. So you're placing your guy, you're building um, structures both above and below ground that do certain things. And you have your workers and you place them into those structures or you send them out adventuring at, to, you know, find new things and gather resources and build more buildings like you would in a, in a European, um, Uh, worker placement game. But while they're doing those things, they also roll dice and have interesting interactions that relate back to this big thick book. Like you find in tales of the Arabian nights that has story stuff that happens. So it'll say like you encounter a merchant, Uh, what do you do? And you have certain options and you have to roll dice to try to accomplish certain uh, options that tell the story. And it'll say, okay, if you roll to this, you know, see page 700 and you turn to page 700 and it tells you the re- result in story form. So it's this like very strategic board game mixed with a storytelling game like tales of the Arabian nights and tales of the Arabian nights is a game I've talked about on the show before it is that storytelling game, but it doesn't have the strategic aspect. It, it's sort of whatever happens happens and you're just kind of having this fun story moment as you go through the game. I just love the fact that it's built the mechanics of a, of a strategy game where you, you know, acquire points and try to win, with uh reading the story from a book it's a very very cool game again that's called above and below i feel like
1: you end up yelling at the book like no brad i did not (laughs) go down the hall where the wolves were
0: (laughs) yeah yeah totally that's the thing in tales the arabian nights man that that's a fun game it's a game i have in my collection but there are some times where it's like the result of the thing I did is so was so unforeseen. There's no yeah. way I could have known. It's like you encounter a, an old beggar on the road. Do you beat him up? Do you give him money? Do you give him food? Do you tell him to get lost? It's like, well, I give him food. You gave him food. He was a werewolf. He devours you. It's like, what? <laughs> what? I didn't. How was I supposed to know that would happen? Yeah.
2: Because yeah. it was a full moon. You should have been paying your attention to the sky.
0: Why didn't I look at the sky?
2: Hi.
0: <laughs> uh Anyway, uh, I encourage people to check out. There's so many cool board games that were announced at, um, at uh, Gen Con this year. Um, so that's just a, a taste of some of the stuff that I'm most excited about. But there are so many more. Um, I'm Someday I'm going to get to go to that convention because
2: – I went last year.
0: You went to Gen Con last year? Uh-huh. What was it
2: like? It was amazing. And like I'm not super into board games. I actually find it very, very intimidating because – so many of my friends know that I'm a gamer, and so they just assume I'm gonna be good at board games too, and so, and I'm not. And so I they, I get like super insecure when I play board games, which is the dumbest thing ever. And so when I went to Gen Con, like, Everyone there was so excited to play games that I couldn't possibly feel that insecure. So, like, <laughs> everyone was so nice, and, like, there's games everywhere, and every yeah. game is looking for another player, so it's not like you should feel bad. Like, everyone wants to play with you, and, like, I would go to, like, I-, I would know someone, and I would, like, hang out with them, and so I'd meet a bunch of new people, and, like, we would all have, like, lunch, and they would tell stories of, like, their d d raids, like, they were experiences that happened to them yesterday. Like, you know, and then I was telling the gypsy, like, like (laughs) the the way that that everyone at Gen Con feels about tabletop games. It's so amazing. You just feel happy to be there because they love, they love games so much. It's just a good vibe. You would love it.
0: I would definitely love it. I've heard it's just so massive and, and overwhelming and, uh, exhausting just because there's so much to do. I had, um, some buddies that went this year, um, Peter Soretta from Slash Film and our buddy Reza went, and uh, man, I was watching their Instagram all weekend and just being jealous. Uh, do you remember any of the games you played last year?
2: Um, no. no? I played no. I got the. I know I got the Buffy or Buffy the Vampire Slayer RPG book. Mm-hmm. So uh, I definitely did the Buffy games. Um, no, we did a bunch of random games. No, I don't remember. No, there were so cool. many. There were so many, and there were so many like little pieces and. It was great.
0: That sounds <laughs> rad. That sounds rad. Um, no, so, anyway.
2: But did um, did explode? Because I know explode. All my friends on Twitter are talking about they got exploding kittens this week.
0: Did oh, yeah. Ex- it was did exploding everywhere. exploding
2: kittens come out to line up with Gen Con?
0: I would not be surprised. Uh, a lot of games. I got several of the Kickstarter games that I ordered like two years ago arrived this week because they all were, were printed in time for Gen Con. Uh, and I'll be talking about that. I got two rooms in a boom and, um, I'll be talking about them in, in future episodes. But, um, yeah, I would not be surprised. I know a ton of people where I was this weekend at Nurtacular, they had a bunch of copies of Exploding Kittens and people were playing it all over the place too. Um, so yeah, I think there's, uh, that's a game I have not played yet, but we'll we'll probably talk about. I know I know Ariel uh, uh, has has a copy. Christian, I'm sure she wants to to play with us at let's some point. Yeah. I want to play. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, Nicole. Um, you're still in LA, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we'll have to make that happen. Awesome um okay well let's uh let's wrap things up but we do have a parting gift to give you on our way out everybody so stick around but in the meantime nicole this was so fun it it took too long to happen but we're so glad to have you where can people keep up with yeah where can people keep up with you this week
2: uh, yeah, so I mean, definitely make sure to keep track of the Odd Gentleman. They're at the Odd Gentleman on Twitter. Um, I'm Nicole Z on Twitter. It's N I K O L E Z, and um, you know, s- stock appropriately.
0: <laughs> I like that, uh, Christian. Man, I had such a great time uh, on that show last Tuesday, as you mentioned at the at the beginning uh, with you. Your new stuff is lightning hot dude it is just so smart and so daring and so cool i was so impressed with your new the new stuff you're doing where can people see your your stand-up
1: oh thanks dude yeah it was fun i uh got to play a little bit uh mostly i would say probably 80 90 stuff that wasn't on the album so it's fun to see it come together um this week some of Friday, some of my favorite
0: stuff i've ever seen you do no no lie i was like so blown away it uh it, it was an awesome set. I think everybody that went there came away just so brain melted, and and, and uh, I just was so. I just thought it was awesome. You you closed the show in grand style, my friend.
1: Well, thanks. Yeah, and, and uh, you guys recorded a We Have Concerns that I think is coming out right. You guys yep, released yep. the podcast. Dope. Mm-hmm. Um, this week Friday is Trifecta at UCB Sunset. Uh, it's at ten thirty p.m. Moses Storm and I and Joe Wanger, a bunch of great people. I think it's like five bucks. So if you're in L.A., Friday at 1030, easy show to go to, lots of fun. Um, And then just kind of on the road, August, end of August, we're going to be at PAX. We'll be doing our PAX panel that Saturday at 1 p.m. And then if you're in um, Seattle for PAX, come see me. I'm featuring at the Comedy Underground right there, right near the convention center and kind of in the square um, central area, easy to get to. So if you're in PAX, come say hi, come to a show. And then September 3rd through 5th, I will be in Austin for the Out of Bounds Festival, which I'm really looking forward to. I'm bringing improv versus stand-up out there and uh, doing some solo stand-up sets as well. So, And you just got back from being on the road a whole bunch, and then we go back out soon.
0: Yeah, I'll reiterate that. We are going to be at PAX Prime, and we are going to be doing a live DLC. We already have Garnet Lee confirmed as our guest So uh, we will probably have some surprise guests in addition to Garnet, but he he and the two of us will be live on stage at one o'clock on Saturday, uh, August twenty seventh. I think it is um, at uh, at Pax Prime. So uh, we would love to see DLC listeners there. Man, that would I
1: totally spaced one other thing. What the episode of Devious Maids I wrote airs tonight? That's so silly! I forgot. But if you're listening live or right now on Monday, it's tonight, 9, 8 central. Uh, Ben Wiggins and I wrote tonight's episode. It's a fun one.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I would have to tune in. Um, But yeah, definitely come and see our PAX panel if you're at PAX and tell a friend. I think uh, it's going to be a blast. Um, Also, I am uh, heading out to uh, a vacation uh, with my wife. And so we're going to be recording uh, a very special episode to play while I'm gone. And uh, that is with... um, with our buddy, Game Over, Greggy Greg Miller himself. Uh, and what I'd like to do is feature a lot of your questions. So if you have questions for us to talk about, please send them. Um, send them this week. Send them to dlcfeedback at gmail.com because it's going be, uh, to be a time-shifted episode. We won't be doing um, Story of the Week and stuff because it will be uh, recorded in advance. So we'd like to talk about a lot of the stuff you want to hear us talk about. Uh, talk I me mean, give us some questions to ponder, give us some old games to talk about or new games to talk about, whatever it is you'd like to hear us chat with game over Greggy about, uh, we'd love to, to hear your input. So send those to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, I think it will be a, a big part of, of that episode. Okay, let's do it guys. Let's, uh, give the people their parting gift. Nicole, Do you have a uh, something to get people through the week?
2: Yeah. Um, so this is not really nerd related, but this is something that I've been watching a lot lately. Um, it's a K drama, a Korean drama called mm. Cunning Single Lady, and it's this really adorable and just pleasant, you know, drama. But it's subtitled, so you can't do something else while you mm. watch it, which is nice because I need something that I can't have my phone in my hand because I, I constantly am texting or checking Twitter. So it's nice to have something that's, that's lighthearted that I have to focus on and also lets me see how people live on the other side of the world.
0: You've literally, you've literally had to watch things in a foreign language in order to force yourself to watch them.
2: Yeah. And no, and I, and I keep the, I watch it on Netflix. So I keep the, the Wii remote right next to me so I can pause if I get a text so I haven't cured myself of, the, of my <laughs> dependency, but I'm on the right path.
0: I like it. Uh, please tell me that the theme song for that is Cunning Single Lady, Cunning Single Lady, Cunning Single Lady. No?
2: Okay. No, it's not But all. It, it's a good idea, though.
0: <laughs> Pass that along to the powers to be. Uh, so that is Cunning Single Lady. How do people watch it? How do you it find it? It's on Netflix. Oh, Netflix. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, Christian, give me your version of Cunning Single Lady.
1: <laughs> uh cunning single lady yeah um it is musically related um i've maybe heard two of the tracks somehow um from a friend i can just see from a friend man i hope the whole album's good dre's dropping a new album on friday um inspired by straight out of compton the movie that's coming out this month as well based on nwa i love old dre chronic so good this new album i think
0: Ooh, I'm so excited. The, I'm so excited.
1: It's hype. Color Me Hype. I've heard um, most of one track and all of another. Uh, I think it's going to be good, guys. So look for that. Uh, yay. Who? Dr. Dre needs my help. <laughs> the billionaire in rap needs my help to plug his album, but uh, I'm excited.
0: I am too. I am too. Well, as I mentioned a couple of times on this episode, I spent the weekend uh, traveling with uh, my partner in crime on We Have Concerns, Anthony Carboni. We went to Nerd Tacular in Utah, which is the conference for uh the Frog Pants studios. Scott Johnson over there at Frog Pants and the uh the Diamond Club guys, uh, Brian Brushwood, Tom Merritt, Justin Robert Young, Veronica Belmont, all those that gang of folks puts on this well, Scott puts it on, but it's a it's that community. I don't know if I've ever had more fun at a convention. That was one of the most welcoming, warm, awesome places to be that I have ever spent time. And such an awesome community of people. So I want to point people toward their podcasts. Uh, the instance is a is a great World of Warcraft and sort of Blizzard in general podcast that Scott does. Um, but you can check out uh, Night Attack is the is the Justin and uh, Brian show. Uh, Daily Tech News show is the is the Tom show. These are all shows that people probably know already. You don't need me to tell you about them, but you should check out their shows. But more than that. I can recommend going to Nurtacular next year. It, it is, uh, it is a special kind of conference. It's small. Everybody seems to, to be friendly. There's no mad rush anywhere. It's not overcrowded like you find at a lot of conventions that I go to. It, it's just good people hanging out, celebrating their love of fun stuff and recording some podcasts. Uh, you'll hear our, our We Have Concerns. Uh, we did three episodes there some fun guests. Um, you'll hear that, but man, keep that on your radar for next year. Uh, I highly, highly recommend it. I I had such a wonderful, wonderful time. So thanks to Scott and uh, everybody there also. And thanks. If you came up and said hi and said that you were a DLC fan, I had several people do that, uh, at that conference. So that was really cool too. All right, folks. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. As I said, uh, we're coming to packs. As I said, please send us questions for the Greg Miller episode. We're going to have um, so that's going to be some fun, fun stuff coming up. So stay tuned for that. We got we got cool guests lined up throughout the next couple of months. So so get hype. Uh, thanks again, Nicole Zivilich, for being here. You are the best. We appreciate
2: Yay, it. Yay! Thank you for having me. Yeah.
0: Thanks to Christian. Uh, thanks to Maggie and all the folks at uh, DL or at the Five by Five for producing the show. Thanks to you for listening. Until next time, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.